Luke chapter number two, as we begin the Christmas season, and I apologize, a lot of the commercials tonight, but very important things that we want to cover as we get into our Christmas season. I'm very excited. It's, it's always a challenge. I see Brother Lewis back here. This will be his first Christmas as a pastor, and the longer you pastor, it's, it's not that it's hard, but uh, you know, when you think about it, we kind of dance around the Christmas passages all through the year, and we have no excuse when it comes time for Christmas. And so tonight we're going to get into it, and I, I want to look at Luke chapter number two. This is probably one of the most familiar ones. And you know, where I first got acquainted, and I'm just going to be honest with you, maybe a little bit embarrassing, first time I really got acquainted with Luke two was Charlie Brown. How many of you remember? Who's the guy that gives the speech? Linus. Linus, and, and, and if you remember the scene, Charlie Brown, he comes, he comes walking in, and the whole crowd is sitting there on stage, and uh, who's the guy behind the pl- uh, piano? Schroeder, and uh, you're a Charlie Brown addict, aren't you? He's, he's just, brother guy over here, he doesn't know his Bible, but he knows Charlie Brown, and, and so, uh, no, I'm just kidding, and so, uh, so, so they come out, and, and I guess they had been singing, and Charlie comes out, remember the infamous Charlie Brown Christmas tree? You know, they put the one ornament on, and it bends all the way over. And, uh, and so everybody, and of course, Lucy, she was always so kind to Charlie Brown, you know. And, uh, and it's, I, what she used to call him, blockhead or something, is that what she called him? And uh, I should just ask Guy, we should just have a conversation here. And, and, so, and so what happened was, everybody leaves, and then here comes Linus, and Charlie Brown's kind of, he's kind of kicking himself, and, and he, 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 Charlie Brown says, can somebody please tell me, what Christmas is really all about. Now, I don't, I don't know if Charles Schultz was a Christian. I guess sometimes I've read a few things. Now, I guess it, it would indicate that he is because the, the, the Bible version is actually the King James Version that Linus is reading from. But, uh, you know, it's kind of neat because Charlie Brown's wanting to know what Christmas was really all about. And Linus steps forward and says, Charlie Brown, I'll tell you what Christmas is really all about. And that's kind of where we are tonight is looking at Luke chapter number two is what is Christmas really all about? This is December the 2nd and Christmas is on the 25th and you know amazingly Christmas time this season goes by so very fast but when you come upon Luke chapter number two in your Bible uh, you you are immediately acquainted with a, a young ordinary simple couple that's traveling many miles from Nazareth to a town by the name of Bethlehem. And the Bible tells us the reason that they're making this journey is because of the decree by Caesar. Caesar Augustus said that all the world would be taxed. (laughs) Even back then, they had taxes. And so everyone had to register. And Joseph, Mary and Joseph, Joseph's taking his young family, and he's going back to the place of his heritage. He's going back to the place of his lineage. They knew that their heritage, by the way, I hope as a Christian you know about your heritage. I'm not just necessarily talking about your family, your bloodline as whatever your last name is, but it's important that we know the heritage of being a Christian and knowing where we come from and Can I just tell you plain and simple tonight, we are a part of the church that Jesus Christ began. And so Joseph and Mary are heading back 
to Bethlehem because they were of the tribe of Judah. And notice what the Bible says in verse 6 of Luke 2. And if you're at home, join us as we read this. The Bible says, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. If you notice there in verse number 15, look at the statement there where the shepherds say, let's go see this thing which is come to pass, which is come to pass. I look at this passage and I think about that statement the shepherds made. And as we go into Christmas season this year, 2020, I think it's important that we know what Christmas is really all about. Because Christmas has changed for so many. I heard about a little girl after unwrapping all of her presents Somebody asked her, they said, did you get everything that you wanted for Christmas? And the little girl thought for a moment, and she said, no. She said, but then again, it's not my birthday. See, at least the little girl understood what the true meaning of Christmas was. It wasn't her birthday. It wasn't her special day. See, a lot of attention nowadays is paid to the over-commercialization of Christmas. This is not a season for us to see how much stuff that we can pile up under the Christmas tree and how deeply in debt that we can go in order to make sure that everyone that we know and everyone that's in our family gets everything that they want. I'll never forget growing up as a young boy and just looking at it from a child's perspective, being in a home that was not a Christian home, but my father, I did not know this when I was little. My dad used to take all kinds of odd jobs, extra jobs, work late. And at Christmas time, we had so many packages and presents. What I did not know until later on in life is that my dad went into debt every year. And he would spend the entire next year paying off all the things, all the stuff, that he thought that we had to have, or we acted like we had to have. As I got older, my dad used to tell me 
son, I used to buy you some nice toys and you would open them up and instead of playing with the toys, you'd play with the boxes. You know, every parent wants to please their children. I think at Christmas time for many, it is the most, as the song says, the most wonderful time of the year. But you know, I have found it in not just being in ministry, but I really believe that the Christmas season is a very difficult season for many to endure. And my heart goes out to those folks. Uh, in just the last two years, I've had to say goodbye to my father and my mother. You know, I understand some of what people feel, what people go through, especially at a, a time like this. And we live in a world that, that really, when you, when you hear and see many things, they, the world sounds religious, does it not? It's, it, there, there are many things that the world speaks about when it comes to religion, but there are so few that really know anything about Jesus or know anything about what the true meaning of Christmas is really all about. I mean, as a Christian, having been saved now for many years, it doesn't surprise me when lost people, unsaved people, don't really understand because I think back to how I was before I got saved. Christmas took on a whole new meaning for me after I came to know Christ as my Savior. That doesn't surprise me. But I think what is disturbing is how Christians, God's people, have become so blind to what Christmas is really all about. And, and I, I said, Lord, as we get into the season to think about your son coming into this world, what is it that you would like for us just on this second day of December to think about tonight? so that it'll help us throughout these next couple weeks. Because I think a lot of times Christians have allowed the darkness of this world to affect them, to affect how they think. And as we begin Christmas, let's understand what the true meaning of Christmas really is. Charlie Brown's not here, but we have God's Word. And so look at the first thing that I see tonight. When I think about what is Christmas really all about, notice, first of all, Christmas is not about God's existence, it's really about God's sovereignty. Now just stop for a second and think about this. God is eternal, is He not? He's always been. So when you think about Christmas, yes, Jesus, God, came down to man. But that's not what Christmas is really all about. Christmas is really all about God's sovereignty. And I want to talk to you just a moment about that. Now, the word may throw some people, when you think about this word sovereignty, quite simply put, it means having supreme authority or power. When we think about God, He is not only the mighty God, but He's the almighty God. God is the one that created this world in six literal days out of nothing. He spoke the world into existence. God is the one that breathed into man and he became a living soul. Listen, we are because God has created us and God has created everything in this world. And when I think about God and I think about Christians, many people would say 
that God exists, but yet you hear very few ever recognizing the sovereignty of God. That's why I love Christmas time. Going back to our story and really the historical aspect of it, you go back to Caesar Augustus who was in charge there in a Roman world. A lot of people look to Caesar Augustus as if he was a god. And I say little letter G there. Caesar was so powerful that he knew that with one decree that he could by himself, make people do what he wanted them to do. That's what he desired. And he thought that's what was happening, that he was the one that was making people do the things that they were doing. But can I tell you that as a child of God, reading the Word of God, what I have come to understand is the reason why people were doing the things that they were doing was not because of Caesar Augustus and not because of his decree, but it was because of the sovereignty of Almighty God. And you see God's hand. How the Bible records that God sent his angel to a young woman who was not a maiden, she was a virgin, according to the Word of God. He informed her that she was going to have a baby and We know the story of Mary. Mary struggled with that. How can this be? I've never been with a man. I've never known a man. I've never had intimacy with a man. But yet we know that she conceived of the Holy Ghost. Not only that that when you talk about the sovereignty of God, but then the story, the news comes to Joseph. Joseph finds out that his love of his life is going to have a baby. And Joseph knew, just like Mary I, I don't understand that. I don't know how this happened. And the Bible says that he was minded to put her away privily. He, he knew what the law demanded. And Joseph loved Mary, and he, he did not want to have to deal harshly with her. And I love this. Watch this. Again, the sovereignty of God. God sends his angel to Joseph, and he informs Joseph to have faith with the whole situation because this act was an act of God. That's why we see Joseph behaving the way that he did because he understood that Christmas was not about God's existence, it was about God's sovereignty. And we see that all the way back with the prophet Isaiah. Look at chapter 7, verse 14, where the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. The Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name what? Emmanuel. Think about this long, uh, you know, they didn't even have to consider the name because the Bible says thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. The sovereign God here is the one that uh, it was going to give a child, as he said through the prophet Isaiah, not only a child but a son and a ruler. Christmas is about God. It's about The God who possesses and exercises all power. It's about a God who even in Caesar Augustus' day is the one that moves nations and God has the hearts of rulers in his own hand. Look at the Bible says here in 1 Chronicles 29, 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven. And in the earth is thine, thine is the kingdom, O Lord, 
and thou art exalted as head above all. You think about that. There is no one higher than our God. The sovereignty of God. Uh, Here we see again Caesar Augustus, a powerful Roman ruler. And what did he do? He, He was trying to take things into his own hands and saying that all the world would be taxed. But do you think it was just coincidence that it was at that time that Mary would bring forth the child, that she would give birth to this son. And the Bible tells us, look at this, in Micah 5 and verse number 2, but thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Do you see the eternality, the description of God all the way back in the Old Testament? As a matter of fact, before the birth of Christ, 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah prophesied, and what was God doing when he sent his son? God was fulfilling that prophecy. God said that it would be in Bethlehem, Thou Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that which is to be ruler in Israel. Folks, listen, the true meaning of Christmas is not the existence of God, it's the sovereignty of God. I could give you more scripture tonight, but I hope you're getting the idea tonight that everything that happened was all orchestrated by God and not by Caesar Augustus. And that's what Christmas, that's the true meaning of Christmas, is that the Bible says in Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son into the world. Listen, God chose the time, God chose the place, and we need to understand that this was the plan of God from eternity past. And we see the sovereignty of God is what Christmas is all about. But notice, secondly, we also see that Christmas is not about the infancy of Jesus, It's about the deity of Jesus. Now listen, I'm not downplaying. Certainly, we we look at the Word of God and we see what the Bible has to say about the birth of Christ. Aren't you glad Jesus came? That He was willing to come? Listen, if He is God and He was God and He knows all things, then He knew the world that He was coming to before He came to it. But yet He came anyway. And I see here that when I think of Christmas, it's not about the infancy because, listen, a a child doesn't stay an infant. You know, I I look back here and I see the Pierre family growing. You know, these children that were little bitty babies are now grown. You know, we asked Belen the other day, we said, are you the baby? And she says, nope. And she she pointed and said her little baby sister's name. She's like, she's the baby now. See, the focus throughout the Christmas season, yes, we look at the Christ child, but it's really about the deity of Christ. And when I look at the Christmas season, look, don't be guilty. Don't make the mistake of just talking about the baby Jesus and then leaving it there. The the Bible tells us that a virgin did conceive. And she did give birth to the Christ child. Hey, think about that. God entered the human world. 
God came into this world and he chose a special way to do it. The Bible tells us that he became a man without ceasing to be God. I had a hard time with this one when I first got saved trying to wrap my human thinking around this because I thought to myself, well, does that mean he was half man, half God? He was 50% man, 50% God. But the more I studied the Word of God, I came to realize that he's 100% God and he was 100% man. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are. The only difference was he was without sin. You see, he was God in the flesh. The Bible says, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You say, well, Pastor, I don't understand that. I don't know if I can still wrap my mind around it, but you know what? By faith, I believe it. And as I look at the Christmas story, and I think about how God chose the way that his son would come into this world, he became a man. And notice John, as he begins his gospel record, he says, in the beginning was the Word, notice capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's what the Bible says. The same was in the beginning with God. Listen, let me just simply put it this way. Jesus, who was God, did not begin in Bethlehem's manger. He, he is God from eternity past. He has always been, and He always will be. We understand his deity as we search the scriptures. And by the way, Jesus is not to be considered equal with any other infant, any other child. There's been some great people that have been born and lived on this earth, but no one will ever compare to Jesus. Why? Because no one else is God. Yet Jesus came. And as you look at the Christmas story, God's emphasis, it's not on the infancy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at these verses in, as we look on a couple verses in John chapter number 1. Look at verse number 9 as it's just talking here about the Lord Jesus as he began to grow on this earth. And the Bible says, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh. The Bible says, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, and I love this description of Jesus. He was full of grace and truth. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter number 2 that he took upon himself the form of a servant. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus, we call that the incarnation. Jesus robed himself with flesh. And when you think about it, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus, that, that, that veil that separated the holy of holies when Jesus died on the cross, and the Bible says that the veil was rent in twain. The Bible describes in Hebrews 10, 20, that Jesus' veil was his flesh. Aren't you glad that Jesus came? He knows. 
Listen, whatever you're facing tonight, whatever you're going to go through in this Christmas season or in the days ahead, can I tell you that you have a God who knows what you're going through. He careth for you, the Bible says. And I love the fact that Christmas is not just about the infancy of Jesus, but it's about his deity. The Bible says Christmas is about Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Now, where is Jesus today? He's at the right hand of the Father, right? But do you remember what he told his disciples and the promise that he made to us? He would never what? Leave us. He would never forsake us. How many of you believe that? And when Jesus ascended, who came in his place? The Holy Spirit of God. And that's how God is always with us, ever-present. You see, Jesus walked on this earth, but can I tell you that he's still with us today? God with us. The Bible says in Matthew's record in chapter 1, Verse 23, and very similar to what we looked at earlier in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name, here it is again, Emmanuel. And if people don't really understand the word, it says right there, which being interpreted is God with us. Christmas isn't about a baby in a manger. It's about an eternal God who became a man without ceasing to be God. You see, he always was, and he always will be God. And what's interesting about it is the route that God chose to send his son into this world. When we think about Christmas, Christmas is really just the beginning. You know, a lot of times we talk about this, and, and, and again, trying to put things in, in proper order from the Word of God in our mind and in our heart Many times, because of where we're living today, we talk about the second coming of Christ. Well, when was the first coming? Christmas, right? And so the rapture, the Lord's not coming back to this earth. He's coming back again. The second coming is at the end of the tribulation period. But see, we look at this first coming when Jesus came and as he came, the route that he chose, he became a man. And, and we see the, the, the baby there in the manger. And Jesus lived on this earth for about 33 and a half years. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And how did that life end? By going to the cross of Calvary. Jesus gave his life. And this is what we need. Listen, can I tell you that if you have an opportunity, whether it's with your family or with other people that you know, neighbors, coworkers, this is the responsibility that we have to teach our children and to teach those that are around us what the true meaning of Christmas is really all about. If we don't teach them, who will? No one will. They need to understand, like we know tonight, what the true meaning about Christmas really is. It's about the deity of Christ. Go back in your notes or in your Bible to Luke chapter 2. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, what kind of tidings? Good tidings. Of what? 
great joy, which shall be to how many people? All people. Did you see what you just read? Good tidings, great joy unto all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? Savior. Soter. It's where we, the word salvation, a deliverer. Hey, listen, at that time they were under the Roman rule of Caesar Augustus. Can I tell you that man will always be oppressed? We will always be under some authority. But listen, remember that God is, has supreme authority. He is sovereign over the affairs of man. And the Bible says, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Hey, Linus had it right, didn't he? That's exactly what he said because he was reading from the Word of God. Christ the Lord. When you look at that word Christ, it means the anointed one. When you look in the Old Testament, it's the same word that you see in the Bible as the word Messiah. It's kind of sad how so many missed that Jesus was there, that he was the Messiah. It's sad how many of God's people are still looking for the Messiah to come. They've missed it. But we who search the Scriptures, we see that the Bible says that there was one that was born in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And at Christmas, listen, don't think about the baby. Think about Jesus the Christ, the Savior of the world. See, Christmas isn't about the infancy of Christ. It's about the deity of Christ. And then look, look at this last thing this evening is Christmas is not just about His coming, but it's about our going with the message of His coming. Now hear this out, because again, I think this is something that a lot of Christians either don't understand or they've gotten very lax in this area. How many of you are saved tonight? I think almost every hand's up this evening. Praise the Lord for that. Aren't you glad that somebody told you about the Lord Jesus? Somebody told you about eternal life. Somebody told you about the gift of God. Somebody told you about heaven. Somebody showed you that you're a sinner. And without receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity separated from God. But somebody told you. You see, when you think about Christmas, understand that Christmas is not just about His coming. Christmas is about our going with the message of His coming. I don't know if you quite understand this, so look at it tonight in Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 13. Luke chapter number 2, verse number 13. And, and I, I, I don't want to be mean tonight, I really don't, but I'm going to ask you parents that have children to please, please, children can sit in a church service. If there's an emergency, I understand it, but children do not need to get up and walk out of church unless it's absolutely necessary. 
So please help your children. They need to hear what I'm sharing with you tonight. It's very important that we hear the word of God. So look at, look at verse 13 of Luke chapter number 2. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Now watch this. Praising God, saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another. Now just think about what they just witnessed, what they just heard, what they just saw. And the Bible says, now here they are, and, and the angels were gone away from them, and the shepherds said one to another. By the way, I, I see this a lot of times here at church, after services, before services, maybe at a Bible study where after we hear the Word of God or we're around the Word of God. That's why, listen, I'm not trying to be mean when it comes to children, but you do realize when people get up and walk out of church, the, the devil loves that because everybody gets distracted, everybody starts thinking about everything instead of focusing on what God wants for us. But I love it when, as adults, we pull aside maybe after church, whether it's in here, out in the lobby, and I hear sometimes our folks talking about, hey, listen, did you see that? Did you understand that? They're talking about what God was saying. That's what these shepherds were saying is, wow, that was amazing what we just what we just saw there, and look at it, as we read on, it, they said one to another, let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing, which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us, and they came with haste, I mean, they didn't dilly-dally around, they didn't take a bunch of detours, they didn't take forever to get there, the Bible says, they, they said, we got to get there. We got to go find out what's going on. And it says, and when they came with haste, they found Mary, and they found Joseph, and look at this, they found the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they did what? They went home and went back to work. They, they went a different direction and just ignored what happened. No, the Bible says that they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now think about this. Listen, you and I, many times we think, well, nobody will listen to me. But I'm going to tell you, in my life, when God is doing a work, and I witness, and God does something in my heart to where it stirs me up and it gets me excited. By the way, I don't have to work up Christmas season. Because I think about what Christmas, that's why I'm passionate about the boys and girls being in here. Because this is what, this is what it's all about. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you know, if we would just see and hear what the shepherds heard, and we get excited, and with haste, we would take what God has shared with us, and we would take it to someone else. Look, folks, I don't know when the Lord's coming back, but it could be today. You know, I, I was sitting in Brother Flynn's class on Sunday, and 
and they, people were asking him questions, and, and Brother Flynn's very passionate about this. And by the way, there's absolutely nothing wrong with what, with, with what I'm about to say the way he is, but he stated, and I like the thought is, because it is true, the Lord could come back in his lifetime. He believes that. There's nothing wrong with that because the Bible says the Lord's return could happen at any moment. No man knows the day nor the hour. So here's the thing is, is God has given us as a church the opportunity. The door's still open. People can still be saved. I wonder how many people are going to take some tickets, not because pastor made you feel guilty if you don't take them, but because you want someone to come to the Christmas musical and hear the truth and receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says they were so excited when they found Mary, Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, notice again the words, they made known abroad everywhere they went. They told everyone they came into contact with. And the Bible says all they that heard it Whatever they were saying, however they were, they didn't have a soul-winning class. They didn't have tickets to give to people. They just told them, whoa. I mean, look, what was it when Andrew went to his brother Simon? What was it in Andrew's voice or in his eyes that made Simon want to go see Jesus? I'll tell you what it was. It was a brother that cared about his brother. So much so that he wanted to bring him to the Lord Jesus. Look what the Bible says here. Because as they made known abroad the saying, I thought to myself, what did the shepherds really go out telling other people? Well, if you back up a couple verses, look at Luke 2 and verse number 10. The angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you, and we read this earlier, Good tidings. What were they sharing? How many of you like all the negative bad news on TV? You know, don't see, don't see any hands. You know, nobody likes the bad news. That's all you get in the world. I, I love going out in the community, and a lot of times I'll just say something like this to them. Hey, can I give you some good news? I've never had somebody say, nope, because everybody likes good news. And people are inundated with bad news. But as they went everywhere, the Bible says they made known abroad the saying, and so they they brought good tidings of great joy, and they brought it to all people. And what did they tell them? Hey, there was a Savior that was born, which is Christ the Lord. So when you think about Christmas, it's not, and by the way, I'm not discounting His coming, but it's about our going with the message and what the shepherds did. Look, listen to me. They recognized, they realized their responsibility to go tell others. We sing this song at Christmas time. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. What does the Bible tell us? It says go into the highways and hedges. Compel people to come in. I had somebody in the lobby the other day after the service and said, yeah, I used to be a part of a church where they actually went out during the week and knocked on people's door and talked to them about the Lord. And I said, you're standing in one of those churches. And he looked at me and he goes, really? I said, yeah. So we haven't been doing it knocking on doors because of COVID, but we've been going out the last couple months. I said, pastor, why do we do that? 
because we're Baptists? No, because we believe the Word of God. And the Bible says, ye shall be witnesses unto me. See, every Christian ought to witness for the Lord. Talk to people about the Lord. We need to understand our responsibility. And these shepherds, they understood their responsibility. They celebrated Christmas. And listen, let's not be guilty of not telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, our sovereign God, when you look at the Christmas story, you know what God was doing? He was fulfilling the promise that he made that he would send a Savior, that he would send a Redeemer. And just like those shepherds, you and I need to understand our responsibility to tell others what the true meaning of Christmas really is. You mark this down. I'm not a prophet. But you're going to say in just a short few days, wow, I can't believe Christmas is already over. You'll say that. Because these next couple weeks will go by just like that. And I wonder as you go through this Christmas season, and the season ends, will we pack up the Christmas spirit with our Christmas decorations? We only want to invite people during the Christmas season, only talk to people about the Lord when it's Christmas time. We should talk to people about the Lord all the time. God's given us a wonderful opportunity to celebrate Christmas. Why? Because He loved us so much that He sent His Son. And as He came, He lived a sinless life. God has always been sovereign, even in the days of Caesar Augustus, in the affairs of man. And so it's our responsibility to go tell others the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. Here in the Christmas story, as we get started, I think about God's sovereignty. God has all authority, all power. I think of God's deity, that he was God in the flesh. And then I think about how the Lord is coming, maybe today. God's given us opportunity. Why do we build stuff like this? Why do we have tickets made and invitations? Why do we open the doors of the church? Because there are people just like you and me that still don't know that Jesus loves them and he died for their sins and they can have a home in heaven someday. That's what Christmas is really all about. I hope that you understand the true meaning of Christmas. Let's bow our heads tonight. Lord, thank you for this evening and for the word of God. And I pray that, Lord, that we would listen to what you have to say to us through the Word of God. Lord, help us to be serious about this season, not just during the month of December, but all 12 months of the year, to understand our responsibility to tell others about you. I pray that you'd bless, Lord, our church in, in such a mighty way. We would see a moving, we would see people come during these next couple weeks that that came actually because some of our church family gave them an invitation, befriended them, invited them, maybe gave them one of those tickets. They didn't do it so they could score some points. They did it because they really care about them, so much so that they care about their eternity. Now, Lord, I do pray we can only do what we can do But God, we're praying that you would do what we cannot do, and that is you would save the lost. Lord, we look forward to these next couple weeks. Help us to celebrate you and your birth, your life, your death, and your resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.